welcome to the Tioka Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of telecom, technology, and innovation. Today, our focus is on the rise of edge computing, and I'm speaking with our resident edge expert, Danny Itzikson, Tioka's Senior Director of Technology and Strategy. So welcome, Danny, and thank you for joining. Can thank you, you for thank you for having me. Thank you. Can you begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? I know you have an interesting background. I was hoping you could share that. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, uh, uh, the first, uh, the near background. Let's say before we go to the edge of the background. Uh, uh, my name is Daniel Litzikson, and I've been for the last four years in charge of uh, uh, at the beginning researching and then building solutions for five G and IoT specifically for the line of business of the OCO called service assurance or anything which is related to service assurance, monitoring, assuring quality of service and so forth. But we are expanding expanding that beyond that envelope and really researching a lot of different things. Right now it's in parallel because IoT and 5G are still kind of parallel tracks, but I believe that uh, in the future there's going to be a convergence between these two initiatives or technologies. Besides that, I've been uh, for the last 20 years uh, involved in, in telecommunications, in management, and in, in the OSS space in general. And before that, I, that's the part of my interesting background. I studied physics and mathematics, and I've been a meteorologist in the army. And then I then I dealt with environment, and uh, so I have different uh, facets of my history which I think that in a sense enriched me because I bring kind of, you know, different approaches from different, uh, I would say, disciplines. And so I have kind of this eclectic attitude to to problem solving and, and, and basically facing different challenges and new technologies. Well, I think that's absolutely correct. The way that um, everything is connected now and it's touching so many different verticals and so many different parts of our lives. Uh, obviously, having having a diverse background really only helps you make those connections and, and see how technology can really bring value in so many different ways. So, um, so thank you for joining. And the the, uh, the topic of today's podcast is this is a mouthful: multi-access edge computing. Um, we shorten it really to MEC. That's the acronym MEC. And Danny, can you explain for our audience really what MEC is? Okay. <clears throat> First, uh, as you as you very well said, Mac is multi-access edge computing. I know that a lot of folks think about Mac as mobile edge computing, which is kind of a subset, but it's really multi-access. The idea is that uh, there are certain, uh, I would say, applications and certain needs that require some of the processing, some of the network processing, whether it's uh, you know processing of content, whether it's analytics, whether it's actuation to be as closer as uh, the sensor as possible, the sensor or the device. And in that sense, uh, we call that uh, being close to where the data is produced. Now, we will talk about why this is uh, important, why this is necessary. Uh, it's not necessarily for all the different use cases, but for some use cases, it's very important. So I would say that MEC is the ability to put processing as closer as possible to the sensor or the device or the source of data creation. Of course, it does has a does have a cost in the sense that if you are putting, you know, if you are multiplying these processing capabilities closer to the device, you might have you might end having a lot of these uh, capabilities, which means this is hardware, this is maintenance, and it's also this is orchestrating 
a lot of multiple uh, capabilities very, very close to, to the uh, edge of the network, and that has a cost. But on the other side, there is a, a, a need for many of these use cases that you don't have any other choice but to put these capabilities in that place. So really, it's a, a balancing act between uh, you know the cost of, of, of basically forwarding these capabilities towards the edge of the network and, and, and then so you need basically to balance between uh, those two in, in a cost-effective fashion. So you, you talk about the term the edge, and everybody's talking about the edge now, um, and the edge of the network. What does that physically mean, and where do these edges exist? Okay, that's, that's an interesting question, and, and I would say that uh, it's really has different definitions and it's really depending to whom you ask if you ask an enterprise guy it will tell you that the edge is uh, the place where his enterprise land starts stops and the service provider one like the isp one the wider network starts so all the devices that are sitting on that boundary would be the edge devices so that's what the edge uh, if you ask an iot guy an industrial iot guy they, it might even say that the edge is really where it's even at the sensor level. So anything you know, the gateway, it's, it's already beyond the edge. So it's really depending who you ask, but in, in, from a service provider perspective, the edge, it's, it's, we're talking about two types of edge, the far edge and the, and the near edge. So the far edge is as closer to the cell site that you can be. You can either be at the cell site or at aggregation point, uh, one beyond the cell site or, or another aggregation point after that. And the near edge is closer to the core of the network. So it's not something which is, uh, you know, deterministically defined, but the idea is that when you're talking about the edge of the network from a service provider perspective, especially talking about the mobile service provider, the idea is the edge is as closer as you are uh, to basically the cell site. So it can be the cell site, one aggregation point after, two aggregation points after, they will still be considered edge. In that sense, some people talk about fog networking not edge networking, but, but fog, because you sit in, in clouds, whether it's a close-by cloud, a far-edge cloud, things like that. But uh, um, generally, uh, we talk more about edge rather than, than fog, because fog, it, it's even less well-defined than, than edge in that sense. It sounds very complex. Very, it is, and, it and is. Very, very new also. Um, uh, so what are they really the key benefits from the telecom industry perspective? Everything first, they have several key benefits. Everything which is low latency usually have to sit on some aggregation point closer to the edge as closer to the edge as possible. And why is that? Even if we look at uh, at uh, the speed of light in, in fiber, it's about uh, one millisecond every two hundred kilometers because the speed of light in fiber is small. It's uh, it's uh, slower than the speed of light in vacuum. So. If you add, let's say, 100 kilometers to the core, so the round trip will add you one millisecond. And if your SLA or if your necessity is one millisecond, only the transport of the data back and forth to the core will already render your use case impossible. Not talking about other sources of latency, such as the processing latency and so forth. So the idea is that uh, things that are really, really uh, uh, low latency, uh, 
strict low latency use cases such as robotic arm control, remote surgery, some uh, uh, vehicle to everything type of use cases, vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to theater, vehicle to infrastructure. Some of them have a really uh, low latency requirement. And, and the only way to basically comply with this low latency is to put the processing closer to the network as possible. So it doesn't have necessarily to sit on the cell side, sometimes it does, but it has to be closer than, than the core because the core can be tens or hundreds of kilometers away and that would be a problem just from the transport perspective. The round trip time might be already too bad in order to really provide an effective uh, low latency use case. So that's the first one, which is very, very important. All the, they are usually in the 5G lingo, they, they go under the family of URLLC ultra reliable low latency communications, which some of the examples I gave before, uh, but everything that they requires, let's say less than five milliseconds or one millisecond, uh, you usually will have to put that on the MIC. And the second one is local services and content. Basically, the idea is that there are certain contents and, and, and data that you care about only on, on a specific geographical uh, area. Let's say that uh, things such as downloading uh, high definition maps. If you're a connected car and you don't need to download the whole country in, in high definition because that will be a lot of data going back and forth uh, and you might actually help choke or create uh, very high congestions in the backhaul. So the idea is that uh, you basically download these high definition maps piecemeal. As you're getting closer to an area, you're, down you're downloading the high definition map of this area. So that's a local service because it, it's only relevant to that local area. I mean, everything which is related to, to geographical locations and, and businesses and all, all the links between those things. That's one type of uh, example of local services. The other one would be a local content. For instance, uh, you are in a, in a sports venue, let's say uh, a soccer game or a, or a football game, and you want to get information which is specifically about that statistics, or you want to implement a, a virtual reality or augmented reality to, to understand what's going on at that specific venue. It can be also a museum or, or any type of a local venue. So the data that you are downloading in this area, it's relevant only to that specific venue and sometimes even to a specific time of day because whenever that uh, soccer match happens, right? Or whenever that football match happens. Uh, also content can be uh, music or, or videos or any type of content that you want to store closer to, to the consumer of that content. And sometimes that content might be different in some areas, depending on, for instance, on demographics, on, on age, on things that they will render different local contents. So you have all the all this concept of, uh, of, of caching at the edge, basically caching information which is relevant to that specific uh, local uh, place. Uh, so everything which is local services and content will usually reside at the edge because you want it, you have a lot of information but it's only relevant to to that specific area some people in other area we don't will not necessarily care about what's going on in, in in the other local area so that's another thing that will probably need the edge private networks is another example there is a lot of uh, 
buzz around private networks in LTE, and they will also happen in, in 5G. The idea for private networks is that, uh, let's say, a campus, an industrial campus or a specific factory which is big enough might, you know, decide to have their own private networks, build their own private networks on, on either licensed or unlicensed uh, uh, frequencies, and they they might care about the privacy of the data so they might want you know to process a lot of things you know within the contain within the confinement of the factory or the or the industrial campus or the port and then only you know uh, providing other type of information to the external world so these private networks will usually also use mobile edge computing or multi-access edge computing uh, uh, data centers uh, closer to, to, to the area of that uh, where this uh, private network happens. There is another very important uh, use case which is related to reduction in backhaul congestion. The idea is that uh, one example, for instance, is video processing, right? You have, um, you're looking for bad guys or you're looking for a poor man that has been lost, you know, with, co with impaired cognitive uh, capabilities. Um, in, in United States, they call that silver alert. But for some reason, you are looking for some person. And uh, you can take all the videos from the traffic cameras, from the toll booths, and from all the other places, and transport them into the core, basically, uh, you know, petabytes of information, and then process it there, find where the guy has been or whether the car, you know, passed that specific toll booth, and, and then get send this information to the family, to the FBI, to, to the police, depending what is the, the, the situation. But that's going to really congest the backhaul very, very much because you're throwing so much data back and forth. It doesn't make sense. So the idea is that for video analytics of very different uh, you know, reasons and backgrounds, such as uh, finding a specific person, or doing video analytics on some processing or video analytics on security or any of those things. When you do the, the processing and the analytics in the Mac, you know, closer to the, the where the data creation is, then the only thing that you need to send back is the result. Because at the end of the day, if the FBI is looking for a bad guy or a family is looking for a, for an elderly person that has is lost because of uh, diminished cognitive functionality functions, then the only thing that they care about is, you know, where the guy is, you know, what's the license plate has crossed this toll booth at that particular point, at that particular hour. That's They don't care about all the, you know, uh, gigabytes or petabytes of information of high definition video that can come from hundreds of toll booths or hundreds of uh, traffic uh, cameras. They just care about one single event. And that single event, you can you can really distill it at the edge and then send that information to, uh, you know, the consumer of that information. That makes um, much more sense. Right. So the, the, uh, as, as we see, there are a lot of good reasons to put MEC, but we need to understand there is a cost also aspect to MEC because you are basically putting processing, you're multiplying your processing instances in different distributed data centers across the network. And that has also a dimension of complexity and cost. So as I said before, it's basically a balancing act between those two, the need and the cost. Wow, that is, uh, you've named a lot of reasons for Mac here, and it makes you wonder how we survived without it. Um, so just, think, just to reiterate here, you named four areas, if my notes are correct. One being low latency or the speed, 
Uh, number two being local services and content. Three is around private networks, and four really was reducing, helping with uh, backhaul congestion and helping the network manage all of the uh, all of the bits and bytes that are going to be going across it. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot of different needs, a lot of different uses. So how will these mechs vary in terms of the size and processing power? Will some be small and others need to be huge? Uh, what's what's that going to look like? Well, it's you know. Um... All the, the 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 topic of mech, it's 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 a working process in the sense that they, they are today edges in the network where you have some processing. But the, but the concept of mech, you know, a data center, whether it's a micro or a mini or a regular data center, where sitting someplace in the far from the near to the far edge, basically at different aggregation points where it can sit, depending on, for instance, on latency constraints or things like that. And uh, so it might be a very small one. Let's say you can have edge computing capabilities even installed at the cell site. Uh, but the, the closer you get uh, to, the, to the core, basically the, the several aggregation points beyond the, the, the cell site, usually the, the, the data center will have, you know, many different functions and, and will be usually larger because it will uh, employ or execute different use cases uh, and that kind of makes sense because uh, you want to have uh, you don't want to have a many many multiple mini data centers doing you know multiple things it's also a problem from a maintenance and deployment and orchestration perspective so probably the the, the first uh, approach will be to have you know larger data centers where you have, where you basically aggregate uh, the the execution of different uh, use cases. Some of them we mentioned here, and some of them we even don't know about them because they might come to life, uh, you know, in, in one year or a couple of years. It's a very dynamic industry. But what I believe that we're going to start with, uh, from a service provider's perspective, are I would say medium-sized data centers, a couple of aggregation points beyond. The, the cell site, and that's my opinion. People might think otherwise because that makes sense from a cost-effective right. uh, point of view. That makes sense. So, uh, in terms of who you know, your ownership, you know, are these going to be always owned by the service provider, the telecom provider, or um, it could it be an enterprise customer, uh, or could it be a data center like AWS? Is it going to vary? You think, or what do you what do you yeah. mean? What I've been seeing lately more and more is, you know, tier one uh, service providers uh, uh, doing partnerships with the likes of AWS or Google or other cloud providers. I know that also Microsoft Azure and Microsoft in general are also a big player in this area. And, and basically the idea is uh, that uh, they will provide infrastructure and, and application servers and everything and the, uh, the service provider will provide the communication uh, uh, to that specific uh, data center. And that makes sense because uh, at the end of the day, we're talking basically about cloud computing. Just that the fact is that the cloud is not going to be the core cloud, it's going to be a cloud in some, at some aggregation point. And in that sense, uh, then uh, from an expertise perspective, it makes sense that uh, that data center, uh, you know, will uh, be belong to uh, an AWS data center that they are experts in that or Google or Microsoft or anybody else. 
and the, the service provider will provide the communication and will ensure the communication on the latency wise and availability wise and so forth. So it's going to be probably a partnership. Might, some uh, service providers might want you know, to venture into that and provide their own clouds, but I believe that probably the, the best way is going to be kind of a cooperation. Having said that, I know that uh, some private networks and some industry campuses, they will have their own clouds. For instance, if Volkswagen to say something, will create an edge, you know, uh, at the edge of its own private network, it might be its own data center where they might, you know, provide information about manufacturing and uh, assembly line analytics and robotic arm controls and, and security and all those capabilities. There is another uh, type of data center that might happen. It's basically where all the data from connected cars might, might come. And that will usually also belong to car providers. So you might have a, a Volvo data center or a Ford data center or a Volkswagen data center that will also can will be in cooperation with the specific service providers. So I see that usually it's going to be kind of a division of expertise. Uh, usually you will have uh, the cloud provider or the, the specific expert in, in, in the field, whether it's a car manufacturer or something like that. And the, the service provider will, will basically provide the communication to that specific point, which also uh, requires a lot of orchestration because what might happen is that at the, at the beginning, the communication will go to another data center and that, that data center becomes unavailable or congested. And then they automatically, the network will have to basically reroute the communication to another data center. So there's a lot of orchestration. It, it's more, it's not, I'm not saying that uh, this, is going to limit, you know, the uh, role of the service provider into a, some type of dump pipe, because right now the, the, the ability these data centers might be also be dynamic in the sense that they might have, you know, need to scale up the resources, and there's also all the concept of uh, slices, which is coming with 5G. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting, uh, um, a very interesting future in that sense. And uh, but I really see that uh, data centers will usually be, you know, under the purview of the likes of AWS, Google, Microsoft, or specific uh, manufacturers such as car manufacturers and so forth. And the service provider will probably become the communication, the orchestration of that communication, the slices, the SLAs that comes with the slices and so forth. Fascinating. It sounds like Mac is going to be a critical component to this whole new connected ecosystem that is rolling out. So I just want to thank you for your time today. Uh, this is such an interesting and exciting topic, and it, clearly it's, it's just in its early stages with a lot more to come, I'm sure. I hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation. If so, please be sure to share and follow Tioko on LinkedIn and Twitter to get updates on future podcasts and other news. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear about in the future, please send us an email to podcast at tioco.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And until next time, stay curious, stay connected, and stay informed. Thank you again, Danny, and thank you to our audience. Take care. 